Thanks for tuning in to the Direct Access to Oxford Physical Therapy podcast, where we talk about your body, how it moves, and empowering you with the knowledge to manage and treat your pain or discomfort. You will also get an exclusive behind-the-scenes look at a successful private practice. You have the questions, and we have the answers. Now let's get moving. Hey everyone, welcome to the Direct Access to Oxford Physical Therapy podcast. I'm your host, Matt. And your co-host, Allie. Thanks for joining us today. We have an exciting topic. Another one of our monthly clinical corner articles. That's like a lot to say. (laughs) That's right. So if you're newly listening, um, we shared with our listeners that we do a clinical corner article each month in our staff meetings, kind of a journal club, and we wanted to kind of highlight those articles. And uh, we kind of posed last month a little question Mm -hmm. to our students. So uh, this month, we have an article on spinal manipulation and electrical dry needling in patients with subacromial pain syndrome. And if you're like me, you're already lost. That's right. (laughs) We're going to break that down, but we're going to give a little teaser question to our PT students out there. Right. Um, So if you're new listening, we're going to tell you or ask you a question now and then stay tuned to the end of the episode and we'll kind of give the answer if we don't give it away (laughs) throughout the article. (laughs) That's right. That's right. Um, So basically to our students out there, I want you to think about there's... um, two treatment groups here. Um, One group received electric stimulation and exercise with peripheral joint mobilization. Another group received spinal mobilization uh, and dry needling with electrical stimulation. So think about those two treatments for subacromial pain syndrome and which group performed better. Okay. We're going to talk about the article. Interesting. Yeah. So you know, when you start breaking down, um, first the article, I think it's important to look at the diagnosis. So what's subacromial pain syndrome? Um, it's kind of falls into a couple of different, um, common things. Patients will talk about impingement or people might've heard about impingement. Um, is that kind of like when someone says like my arm is tingling throughout the day or like I'm laying on it weird and something is not right? Yeah, tingling can be one symptom. We don't often think about tingling as much of a primary symptom of this diagnosis. Tingling often is more associated with um, irritation of a nerve in the neck or irritation of a nerve in the arm, like in the brachial plexus or around the elbow at the um, at different tunnels that nerves will go through. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes patients with impingement, subacromial pain syndrome will have um, you know, tingling, but it's not often a primary thing. Okay. Most of these patients are talking about pain in the front of their shoulder. Oh. Um, pain in the front or side of their shoulder, pain when they reach uh, up, pain when they reach across their body. Um, patients that go through an ATM or a drive through and they reach up to get the receipt or the money and, and they have pain in their shoulder. Oh. Or people that reach overhead, uh, put something up in a closet and have pain. Um, and this pain will often persist. Um, it generally is not um, indicative of a lot of weakness. These patients will sometimes have pain but not weakness. So the rotator cuff is a lot of times intact and not damaged, just irritated or there's friction. Okay. So this is kind of a precursor okay. sometimes. Can is be. it? 
Kind of like when people say they get zingers or no? It could be. Okay. Um, again, zinger is more of zinger is more of a nerve. Oh, okay, so I'm all about the nerves. Sensation. <laughs> Allie's nervy today, so I'm on with someone's nerve today. <laughs> yeah, th- this is more, um, you know, mechanical pain. Like you get in a position, you reach, it hurts. You get out of that position. Generally, it, it gets better unless okay. you really flare it up. Like if you do something, you know, you put up your Christmas lights and you spend two hours doing it. And your shoulder was hurting the whole time, but you really pushed through it because your in-laws are coming over and you want to impress them. Um, <laughs> and in the holidays. But anyway, if you don't do that, this is generally a mechanical thing. Okay. But a lot of people seek care for this. Um, a lot of people have shoulder pain in the front of their shoulder and they don't know what to do. So we got to remember they have direct access. Right I could now. have guessed. That's, That's right. what you're going to get to. <laughs> so that means they could come straight to our office, be right. treated for this shoulder problem, and they'll undergo an evaluation. So in the evaluation, we're going to do some some testing. Our students, our therapists out there might remember like Nears test or Hawkins test. These are like oh. impingement type tests that are going to tell us more the source of the problem. We're okay. going to look at the integrity of the rotator cuff through some muscle testing okay. and see um, to make sure that this person doesn't need referral on or further testing. We are going to screen the nerves. We're going to look at the nerves coming out of the neck. We're going to look at the nerves in the arm, make sure the nerves are functioning because sometimes someone could have a neck issue and they could hurt in their shoulder mm-hmm. because nerves will refer pain. So for this particular study, they did some of those screening tests. They looked at those patients that had pain in their shoulder, and they wanted to kind of make sure they were uh, appropriate candidates for this study. Okay. So there was some exclusion criteria, which this means if they had this, they couldn't be entered into the study. So if they had had a steroid injection uh, within the last three months, uh, so that would mean, you know, they probably had this problem before, they got an injection, and, you know, they may have a recurrence of this problem or the problem's worsened. Okay. They wouldn't be a good candidate for this study. Um, If they had prior surgery to the neck, thoracic spine, or shoulder, because one of the techniques they're going to do is a manipulation, so they just, you know, wanted to rule that group out. Obviously, red flags um, for manipulation, like tumor, fracture, metabolic disease, things like that. Um, Shoulder dislocations. Full thickness rotator cuff tears were ruled out, um, obviously because you know, they need to be referred on. Um, whiplash injuries in the last six weeks, uh, history of breast cancer. If they had isolated, like only AC joint pain, because they're truly not probably subacromial pain syndrome people, that's a different, they have a different diagnosis. They wanted to be really specific. Yeah. So the people that were best for the study are people who had the pain, but didn't like seek care or help or got any kind of surgery before. Right. Yep. They hadn't had that for this problem. Um, even if they received other treatment for shoulder pain in the last three months, they excluded them from this study. Okay. So they had some pretty, um, they had some pretty good criteria to try to be very, very specific with this, which I think is really good. So when you start looking at research, you got to look at what was done and was it quality? And I think the initial inclusion criteria was pretty good. Um, so they had 14 outpatient therapy clinics in 12 states participate in this study. Okay. So that's a pretty big group. Wide range of different places. Yeah. It was actually across Arizona, Georgia, Maine, Maryland, Michigan, New York, North Carolina, Oklahoma, South Carolina, South Dakota, Tennessee, and Texas. There you go. We weren't asked. But but anyway, um, so 
They recruited patients over a 22-month period. So this was from June 17 to April 19. And so that, that's a pretty, again, pretty broad, um, pretty broad criteria. Yeah. And they kind of were looking for the, again, the people that had anterior lateral shoulder pain lasted longer than six weeks. Um, they had to have near in, a positive near impingement test uh, and a positive Hawkins-Kennedy test. So those are specific tests that we look at. Um, and then they either had to have a painful arc with shoulder elevation or pain with resisted external rotation and pain with resisted abduction. So kind of some testing that they used to say, yeah, these patients are going to qualify. So there were 14 therapists that delivered the different interventions. Um, they had an average of nine years experience, basically. So, um, you know, plus or minus six years. So that means they could have gone anywhere from three to 15 years experience. Okay. So, so no one again, just out of college and not just. Yeah. So a wide range. Physical. Again, okay. I think it just points to a wide range of experience. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of different clinicians and they all had to be, um, they, they completed a 54-hour postgraduate certificate that was training in dry needling, um, and they were current students in where they were practical training in thrust and non-thrust mobilizations. So this fits in really, really well, if you guys remember, or our, our listeners that might have heard our episode with Matt Lee, um, a lot of these techniques, the techniques that they chose were all um, symptom-based or treatment-based techniques. So they follow that kind of Australian Maitland philosophy. So basically, um, if we mobilize something and it helps the condition, we mobilize it more or we mobilize it further into the range. So that's kind of the the type of technique that we're most of the Oxford physical therapists are trained in. And that's what our most recent um, Con Ed course was was on. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So the one that we um, had most recently talked about was all lumbar and lower extremity. Mm -hmm. Um, This was all cervical and upper extremity issues. Mm -hmm. But the issues that um, we addressed in that Con Ed course and what we went over is specifically what's covered in this article, which is so very cool. That is really cool because that was last month and now we're... (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So, you know, last month we did the art and did the, uh, you know, course and then Mm -hmm. here we are with awesome techniques that we can use specifically to help a, a back it up good group of patients. <laughs> yeah. Right. So they put these folks, they randomized them into different groups. So like I said, there was a group that got, um, exercise for shoulder impingement and mobilization to their shoulder joint. And, um, they got interferential, which is a type of electric stimulation. Patients okay. might know it as, um, it's a type of tens. It's not exactly tens, okay. but it's a setup a little specific using four electrodes. So that was one group. And then the other group got um, mobilization or manipulation to their first rib and neck and thoracic spine. Uh, And the therapist could determine where they needed the manipulation to. And then they got dry needling with electric stimulation. Okay. So those were the two groups. Um, The people evaluating the study, they didn't know what group the patient was in. Obviously, the therapist treating them had to know what group because yeah. they're, <laughs> they're getting different treatments, yeah. <laughs> right? Um, and the patients that volunteered to the study, they didn't know what group that they were going to be in. So um, the fact that the evaluators didn't know what group they're in is called blinding. And so that increases some of the um, basically validity of the study this because is... there could be bias, right? If I know you got a certain treatment, mm-hmm. I might think 
more highly of that treatment or less of the other. So when you said evaluators, that means like not the person who gave them the treatment, but later the patient was evaluated on their movement after they received the treatment from somebody else. Yeah. So they, they use what's called outcome measures. So the primary outcome measures they used in this study was the shoulder pain and disability index, um, which is just a questionnaire that a patient fills out and the numeric pain rating scale. So the classic zero to 10, what Mm -hmm. is your pain? Um, they assess that at baseline at two weeks, four weeks, and three months, which is kind of cool because they followed these folks out. The The protocol was that they could treat them up to twice a week for six weeks. So they could treat them for six weeks, but they went ahead and followed up with the patient after treatment ended, okay. which is significant. Yeah. And the listener should remember that because <laughs> um, that makes a difference on, you know, it's great if you're feeling good during treatment. Right. But it matters how you feel when treatment's over, right? right? Because we love our patients, but <laughs> let's be honest, you guys can't stay with I us forever. I was going to say, you can't live here. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Even though I think some of them would like to. Yeah. Um, and then they also, the secondary outcome measure was global rating of change. Um, and we use that in our clinic and they assess that at two, four, and three months. Um, what does that mean? So global rating of change is basically since you started therapy, are you better worse or the same. Okay. And then if you're better, how much better? So it's just a global rating. The patient just says, okay, yeah, I'm better. And there's typically a numeric scale that goes along with that or percent. We don't want to know if you're worse. <laughs> uh, no, we, we, we would say you fall into three categories. You're okay. better, worse or the same. Okay. And then if you're better, it's either a number or percentage, right. how much better. Yeah. Or if you're worse, a percentage, okay. how much worse. I was just kidding. Yeah. We, uh, if they mark worse, we just always throw those papers in the trash. <laughs> That's what it recorded. sounds like. No, I'm just teasing. <laughs> um, the other things that they looked at, which was kind of interesting, um, they looked at medication intake. Um, so, you know, were they using pain medication, anti-inflammatory medication at baseline at three months um, after the first treatment session? And so those were the kind of the, um, you know, things that they kind of looked at, which is, okay. you know, kind of what most people come in wanting to they want to get less pain. They want to feel better. Mm-hmm. They want to take less, less medication, right? Right. So those are all things that are significant, um, you know, when we look at patients. So I'm dying to know. Are you on the edge of your seat, Allie? I'm. I've. I'm trying my best to use my scientific brain and gather all the information I need. Yeah. But it sounds like I might have an educated guess. What do you think your educated guess is? Um, is it? I mean, like, do I have enough information to make my guess? Probably not. Okay. I didn't. Yeah. But like, I think just from what I know, I was working here. So maybe our listeners need a little bit more. Okay. So the, the loyal listeners to our episodes <laughs> probably know we do a fair amount of dry needling. Yes. Probably know that we do a lot of manual therapy. So we should. the interesting thing is that both groups got better. Um, it's just that the group that got the manipulation and dry needling got better by a bigger measure. Okay. And they were better at the three month outcome. Was that the dry needling with electrical? Yeah. See, that was my guess. That was going to be your (laughs) guess, right? Yes. So, um, manipulation to the cervical spine and rib articulations have previously been shown to be effective in patients with shoulder pain. There's other studies that point to that. Um, but the interesting thing is here, this is a multi-center study and they combined the dry needling, but the dry needling with electric stimulation. Mm-hmm. So the unique thing about this was kind of that combination of those 
particular treatments, the manipulation to the spine to treat the shoulder and the electric stimulation with dry needling. Mm -hmm. So um, prior trials with dry needling for shoulder pain basically just looked at intramuscular trigger point um, and needle pistoning, and they had kind of inconsistent outcomes. So that kind of, again, speaks to how you're trained in dry needling. There's a lot of different methods and techniques of dry needling. Right. And again, just to highlight some of the ways that we're trained, um, we use a system called integrative dry needling. Okay. And so integrative dry needling incorporates some trigger points, but it also incorporates uh, following the nerve. You know, you were all about the nerve earlier. <laughs> so the, See, I knew I was going somewhere with you it. <laughs> knew, you knew, even though you didn't know, you no. knew that it was really about the nerve. It's all intuition with me. Exactly. <laughs> And so that's kind of believed to be probably the effect that the integrative dry needling approach, the electric stimulation, and the manipulation of the spine. Because when you think about those things all together, um, you know, as a therapist, I'm always thinking, okay, that helped more than the other one. But what's the mechanism and why did it help? Okay. The article has a little bit of theory about that, and they cover that a little bit in the discussion. But there's this principle called neurophysiological uh, mechanisms. And they basically, um, that's basically where you started out, Allie. You knew the answer before we even began. It's all about the nerve. <laughs> and so if we calm I'm the sorry. nerve down and, you know, the nerves like the surge protector or where they all start is all going to be in the spine. Okay. So when we're manipulating or mobilizing the spine, we're having a greater effect on the nerve than when we're manipulating or mobilizing peripheral joints. That's a lot of words. <laughs> so basically, you know, mobilizing central and and adding spine to the treatment of the shoulder, um, especially in this very specific instance, if you can add electric stimulation with dry needling um, and you do a great job of screening and evaluating the patient on the front end, because that's the other thing the study did a nice job of is picking the right patient, right? They didn't right. just pick any patient that hurt in their shoulder. Um, so I think that uh, an extensive evaluation leading into it to choose the right patient for this intervention um, yields a good outcome. So students out there, I think we covered it. I was going to say, just we might have given away the answer. But if, if you just tuned back in, if your brain just turned back on and you were like, wait, what was the answer? Yeah. So basically, you know, patients that had subacromial pain syndrome who received cervicothoracic upper rib thrust manipulation and electric stimulation with dry needling experience greater improvements um, on all the measures, shoulder pain, disability, medication intake compared to patients who received just peripheral joint and non-thrust mobilization. So um, the combination of the thrust manipulation of the cervical spine and the electric stimulation and dry needling um, is, is a better treatment. Again, both treatments are going to improve, but I think we're always looking to how can we give greater improvement. So adding cervical manipulation, upper rib manipulation um, is going to give patients a better benefit. Um, and I think it, you know, studies like this are great because I think they help drive. We talk about evidence-based practice. They help drive, you know, evidence-based practice. We're mm -hmm. using the evidence. This this article was published um, a little less than a year ago, February of 21. Nice. So this is kind of hot off the press. So um, by us putting this into practice, we're able to 
give patients the benefit of improving that much more. That's right. Um, the nice thing, though, is let's say a patient, for whatever reason, couldn't do dry needling or couldn't do electric stimulation or couldn't do cervical manipulation, we still have options. Mm-hmm. Even the peripheral joint, the ones that we're mobilizing their shoulder, we're doing exercise with, we're doing our traditional electric stimulation, even those patients get better. It's just the other ones get better a little bit quicker. <laughs> so if those other treatments are options, those are the ones we're going to go right. to. There's never a spot where someone doesn't get the treatment they need. There's other options for those out there. And for all the listeners um, who might not be totally familiar with what we're talking about, we do have an episode on dry needling and another episode on manual therapy and all the manipulations. And it kind of goes more into detail about everything that we're talking about, um, a little bit more about the techniques and the tricks and all that in our previous episode. So I recommend listening to those too. And we'll have this article in our episode notes yes. that you can access. And if you're having shoulder pain, you know, the great first step, Allie, <laughs> direct access. I would have guessed. Come on in, get it looked at, and you know, be ready because we're probably going to want to do some of these cutting edge treatment techniques to yep. help you get better that much faster. We might not submit you to, you know, clinical testing, but That's right. we're going to use what we learned on you. <laughs> Tried and true. So <laughs> thanks right. so much for tuning in, everybody. Yes. Until an next awesome time. Day. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. You can find us online at OxfordPhysicalTherapy.com. And you can also find us on our social media pages like Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, and TikTok. Remember, you do not need a doctor's referral to receive physical therapy in the state of Ohio and Kentucky, where we offer double the care for less than half the cost. You can schedule appointments online or stop into any center for a free screen, what we like to call a bee visit. Please write a review, send us a comment or message on our social media platforms. And until next time, keep it moving.